0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been prerecorded.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.
2: Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie.
4: Good afternoon, and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Dry January, an expression that has come to represent the commitment to decrease or completely abstain from intake of alcohol after more active socializing and celebrating over the holidays. But dry January could also refer to our dry skin and a time of year when we're more likely to apply lotions. Popular holiday gifts include fragrances, soaps, and with the popularity of nail salons, the chance to have a manicure is right at your fingertips. Our topic today is contact dermatitis, a reaction of the skin to an allergen and irritant that might be found in these personal products like shampoos, conditioners, soaps, sunscreens, and chemicals used in nail salons. We heartily welcome the return of Dr. Bruce Brode, who brought us such important information about the risks of tattoos. Dr. Brode is a clinical professor of dermatology and an associate dean at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, and the director of the Contact Dermatitis Clinic at Penn Medicine. Welcome, Bruce. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Marianne. Great to be back on the show. Well, thank you. And we talk about the vast array of personal products for skin, hair, nails, anti-aging creams. (laughs) The landscape can be a bit confusing, though, to consumers because marketing wants to steer us away from quote-unquote synthetic ingredients, but products marked as natural and or organic might have ingredients that cause dermatitis too. So maybe we can start with the definition of contact dermatitis and help us know what it looks like.
3: Yes. Well, on the broader scale, contact dermatitis encompasses any irritation or allergy of the skin from some external source. So the quintessential, like everybody can identify with this, allergic contact dermatitis is poison ivy, right? So We really don't need to go to like a specialized clinic at the University of Pennsylvania usually to diagnose poison ivy. It's easily recognizable, but that's the classic allergic contact dermatitis. The body's immune system is programmed to recognize the substance in poison ivy, the oil in the plant. And it's programmed to react to it in a very strong way. And that results in redness, blisters on the skin where the plant was touched. It's easy to diagnose, sometimes hard to avoid. But there's thousands of ingredients out there that we don't commonly think of as causing allergic contact dermatitis. And many of them are in skincare products that we use every day. Some of them are substances that we work with. In the workplace. And while most people might not react to those substances, there's still a fair number of people in the population, many of those I see in my clinic at Penn, who do react to them. And that creates a lot of discomfort. So if they react to products on their face, there's an ingredient in a product that they're allergic to, it's really upsetting their their skin becomes red it becomes swollen it becomes itchy it becomes unsightly in the more acute form it kind of leaks fluid um and uh keeps them up at night because it's really really itchy
4: mm-hmm. now and i think an itch could be worse than a pain would you agree
3: i agree and it's kind of a combination of both it's both itching and it's painful and like you said the world of skincare is it's really confusing out there and fragmented. I mean, I think every day new brands are popping up and um, there's a lot of good products out there, but unfortunately there's a lot of hype too. They're hyped up, lots of celebrity endorsements and everybody these days is talking about clean beauty. Um, But I think there's some lack of understanding about what that really means. And I think, consumers are sort of led in to believe that, hey, clean beauty, natural products are are healthier. And in some cases they are, but some of those ingredients are ingredients that can cause those allergic reactions in the skin. And that's the last thing somebody wants to happen when they're putting on sort of, you know, a product to make their skin nicer. They don't want to see a reaction. Well,
4: you know, we we had a great conversation the other day and I learned from listening to you as I always do, but Certain words make it sound so appealing, make, make the product sound good enough to eat, like sandalwood, lavender, and all those things that maybe do come from natural ingredients, but organic is good uh, when you ingest it, but maybe not when you put it on your skin. So would some of the chemicals that you'd be able to tell us about show up on labels? That's the other tough thing. If people here, uh, I shared a story with you the other day. And Things are always scarier when you're away from home. Yes, I, we were on a trip to the Holy Land, actually. It was so exciting. Halfway through the 10 days we were there, I woke up with my, my eyes were swollen shut. And I thought, oh my gosh, did I, did I eat something? Is there something in the environment or whatever? So I decided not to wear any makeup, which is really scary for the people around me. But I didn't wear any makeup for a few days and it calmed down. But it took a couple of days. I got home, went to a, an allergy specialist. Skin testing showed I was allergic to quaternium-15. He said, well, you're allergic to quaternium-15. I said, what in the world is that? And I guess it's a preservative. I had been using that mascara for 20 years, but my body all of a sudden said, nah, I don't like it anymore. Or maybe it was a new ingredient, but that's the kind of thing you're talking about, yes?
3: Yeah, exactly. So skincare products... Now, the late, you mentioned you talked about the labeling, and the labeling's pretty good in the United States on personal care products. But if you look at the label on your products, like your shampoo, I mean, oftentimes you'll see 20, 30, 40 ingredients. And, and as you said, when it comes to some of the botanicals that are used, some sound really appealing, you know, rosewood oil, helianthus, chrysanthemum, uh, chamomile. Um, but other ingredients, like you mentioned that are sort of fragrance based botanical natural ingredients or the building blocks of fragrances are just the type of things that cause those allergic reactions in the skin. So you might see products Mm -hmm. with jojoba oil or lavender, which really does have a very nice scent to it. And, uh, and that looks really great. And you know, very inviting, but sometimes those things cause reactions. And then all of our products that are on the shelf when you go to the store, you want to feel safe and you are safe buying a bottle of shampoo or a moisturizing lotion or a face cleanser. Um, they're kept safe because they have preservatives in them. And that's important. I mean, thank goodness we have preservatives in personal care products, but unfortunately, some people are allergic to some preservatives, some more than others. And then like even like the things that make our shampoo and soap suds and spread, those are called surfactants and they're necessary, but some people become allergic to those in the products. And again, it, it wreaks havoc on the skin. They get so red, they get so itchy.
4: Well, you mentioned a preservative in our conversation the other day, methyl isothiazolinone, that's pretty close. The average person is, probably has never right. heard of it, and I doubt they list that. Maybe they do list that, list that on label. I'll have to do a little homework. But it's a preservative, as you say, that serves a good purpose. But what's tough is if a person's allergic to uh, that ingredient in a shampoo or, or a conditioner, the scalp is resilient. Usually, you don't get the rash or the itches on your scalp. It's more likely ears, neck, and who would put that together? That's why you have to be one of the Hardy Boys or I'd have to be Nancy Drew to figure out why this is happening repeatedly. And so you look for a pattern. What might be, I remember you gave me a good example of, um, you know, classic young woman that comes in.
3: Yeah, so, so yeah, and methyl isothiazolinone, you, you said it very well. We, we could abbreviate mm-hmm. it as MI, has a really interesting story, um, but it's in a lot of personal care products. About uh, 15 years ago, we saw an epidemic because it was used frequently in baby wipes. So these poor, like infants, and children oh. were getting horrible rashes oh. on their face because, of course, we know, like parents love to use baby wipes at every turn. Fortunately, that's been fixed. But methylisothiazolin M I is still in a lot of uh, shampoos and conditioners and cleansers. And so if you think about it, and it, shampoos everywhere, right? So you don't just put shampoo in your head and then take it straight off your head. You're in the shower and the shampoo's dripping down your face and your ears and your neck and even onto your chest and back. And in somebody who's allergic to methyl now it's not used in every shampoo, just, you know, certain shampoos or companies that choose to use it. The patient will present with rash, redness, swelling, not on the scalp. The scalp, for some reason, like you said, is tough, but around the ears, around the neck. So when I see patients come in, kind of referred to me for rash, contact derm, with itchy ears and neck, uh, and their eyelids as well, I look up and I say, aha, what are you using on your scalp? And we go over the ingredients and the products there.
4: Well, I know you said too with mascara that maybe a preservative or there's a shellac type nature to one of the ingredients to help it stick to your eyelashes better. And that's naturally derived from a bug. So like, you know, it's like varnish that you paint with. You want it to really stick to those eyelashes, but you don't want to throw that natural ingredient under the bus. It's designed to protect the bug from other predators. So it makes sense that it might irritate you.
3: Exactly. And I think that's a great way to look at it. So like, Yeah. Who would have thought like, oh my God, my mascara contains shellac. People think of that when they're refinishing like their patio furniture outside. But if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. It gives the product sort of that luster and that hard shell that looks so nice. But yeah, shellac is a naturally derived product from a lac, it's spelled L-A-C bug. And just like you said, that sounds like great on the surface. It's natural and it's organic. But, yeah, you're right. If you think about it, you know, why are us mammalian species, you know, walking the earth? Why might we be like why were we programmed to be allergic to these things? But in a mm-hmm. sense, um the allergy might have been a signal to keep us away, you know, exactly. Uh, let the beautiful plants and things flourish in the world. So, uh, but personal care product companies, They love them. And there's a huge consumer demand for them. And many people aren't allergic to them, but enough are um, that it it lot of
4: problems. When people come to you, you turn to skin patch testing, which we'll talk about in more detail a little bit later. But you use little pinpricks of these typical allergens on somebody's back. And when you can identify the exact culprit – Wow, that's what we call precision medicine. We know exactly the culprit and know to take that out of the person's routine. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about nail cosmetics because the acrylics and the liquid from the chemicals used to harden nails can be a problem too, especially if somebody comes in with a rash on their face, they might not connect it with uh, touching their face. So let's take a little break and when we
5: come back, more with Dr. Bruce Brode. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. and welcome back to your radio doctor
4: with our guest dr bruce brode the director of the contact dermatitis clinic at penn bruce we started talking about nail cosmetics because it's been so much easier to get beautiful nails there are so many nail salons that have popped up tell me about the typical reactions you see related to nail polishes and the other chemicals used
3: yeah no uh i'm i'm uh I love talking about nails, but I have to say I always feel a little guilty because, like, like beautifully manicured and polished nails, they really look nice. Um, they so, do. So I always have a little bit of a guilt complex. But as it turns out, um, uh, some of those beautiful nails, like gel nails, um, which are done in salons, although they can be done at home now, dip nails, oh. yeah, there's home there's – home, uh, gel nail kits now with the UV lights and then something called dip nails, which also look great. Um, Usually they're done in salons. They use a powder and a glue um, and, uh, and also kind of the old throwback, the porcelain nails or acrylic nails. They're all designed to look great and last a really long time. But unfortunately the building block for those nails, it's kind of like a plastic acrylic. Um, It's called an acrylic monomer. Some people are very allergic. And when we talk about, you know, the different substances that can cause allergies in personal care products, they're not all equivalent. Some of them can cause mild allergies, but acrylics that are found in these, you know, beautiful nail salons, they're really powerful sensitizers and people who are allergic to them. And it's really, people don't realize they're having it because the nails are done, they dry. And typically the fingers don't react because the skin around the hands and the fingers are kind of thick and tough. It's when the person goes home later that day or the next day and it stays kind of reactive even after it's dried and they rest their fingers on their face or their neck or touch their eyes. That's where they get the reaction. So who would think it's from their nails? It's not around. It it occurs days later. It's on their face. Um, but it really has a classic uh, pattern, and and that's something that we routinely test to in our clinic. And I'm, I'm always a little brokenhearted to tell somebody who has those lovely nails, "Hey, I think you're allergic oh. to them, and you might want to go back to the just kind of traditional plain nail polish."
4: Um, you just go back to what I have, Wilma Flintstone fingernails. But go. I do have four fingers. Wilma only had three. But I, I, I was going to sidebar for a second because you mentioned that the UV light to dry the nails. Back in the day when we were students, now maybe it's a type of UV wavelength that's not dangerous. But doesn't that bump your risk for skin cancer?
3: Yeah, you yeah, know, uh, yes, there's a concern. I mean, it's not that we've seen an epidemic of skin cancer and people who frequently get gel nails, but it is damaging UV light and there have been case reports of people who go frequently who develop skin cancer around their their nail beds, their nail folds, which is can you know, it can occur there under normal circumstances, but it does raise a suspicion that the UV light is has some hazards to it
4: especially if they're being done every couple of weeks, which is seems to be the pattern. So um, I'm happy to announce too, we're partnering now with the folks at Helio. Helio is a medical media company. That's a leading, trusted, omni-channel information platform for physicians and healthcare professionals, but up-to-date, timely articles about our weekly topics. And the other day I was looking at an article on Helio.com, and it was about cell phone. The screen protectors can trigger allergic contact dermatitis. Who would think? So they they tell the story of a woman who presents with a rash on the left side of her face. Just as you say with fingernails, we're always touching our faces. And she had a rash on her face and fingers and patch testing. She was sensitive to acrylates, which acrylics, I guess. And it suggested that it was her her screen protector. So that's one for people to think about. I wanted to spend a little time too, Bruce, with hair coloring, hair color, uh, hair dyes. Are you seeing allergic reactions there as well?
3: Yes. Um, those patients frequently end up in my clinic and they're also... Among the allergens and personal care products, that when somebody unfortunately becomes allergic to it, it it can be a very 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 powerful sensitizer. And we know how how popular how common it is to dye hair. I mean, um, unfortunately, uh, hair turning uh, white like mine is um, is a is is a natural part of aging. Some people develop, you know. We, white hair, or gray hair prematurely, but the chemical in there that causes these reactions, and it's been used for for, for years, for decades, is something we refer, we refer to as PPD, paraferlindiamine, mm. that's the substance in hair dye most likely to cause an allergic reaction. Um, it's a great dye. Uh, usually it's mixed with other derivatives of it, but it leads to permanent hair dyeing until it grows out. And uh, again, the dyeing is done in the scalp, but when the reactions occur, they can be in the scalp, but they can often cause like severe eyelid swelling. Some of these patients show up to emergency departments and it's really scary for the the ER docs that might not recognize it. They think that they might be having like a horrible anaphylactic reaction
4: sure and i remember you telling me a story about a woman who traveled frequently let's talk about that because that's a great example for people to hear
3: yeah this this is uh really and i I, sometimes i like to use uh big words um so there's something called heuristic which means that people will tend to use shortcuts to just figure out the answer to their problem they'll use like a thumbnail shortcut a shortcut so Um, I had a patient, um, who saw me, who came to see me in clinic and she had just like a a really interesting question. She said, you know, uh, I'm here to see if you can help me diagnose what in the airplane is causing me to have an allergic reaction. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, every time I fly and, you know, she would fly frequently throughout the year. She was, uh, in, in business and traveled frequently. She said, every time I fly, Um, several days later, my face, my eyelids start swelling and itching. My ears start itching. So I know there's something on that airplane that's causing me to have an allergic reaction. It was really curious because I thought the airplane air, what could they be using? Some sort of, you know... Deodorizer in the plane. Anyway, long story short, we did patch testing the test to try to diagnose what substance they're allergic to. And she reacted very strongly to PPD, paraphenylenediamine diamine. And I said, well, they don't use paraphenylenediamine diamine in the airplane. I said, you dye your hair. Uh, you can always tell yeah. if somebody's dyeing their hair. She said, no, yeah, of course I do. I said, by any chance, do you do that frequently before you leave to go on the business trip? She said, of course, I don't want to have like gray roots when I land in California. (laughs) So, So, and the thing about contact dermatitis is it's a delayed reaction. So it doesn't happen right away. It typically happens several days later. So lo and behold, the good news is she wasn't allergic to the airplane. The bad news is She had to find an alternative to color her hair because she didn't want to be itching all the time.
4: You make a good point, Bruce, because if it's truly an allergic contact dermatitis, a lot of times those reactions are delayed. Am I right about that? So you get your hair done on Saturday and you hop on a plane on Monday or Tuesday and you might not have that in your memory bank that that's the pattern. So, you know, fortunately for the patient, you've helped her figure that out.
3: Exactly, exactly. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. Same. the, The example is poison ivy. So I'm very allergic to poison ivy. Most people in the U.S. are. If I rubbed it all over my skin today and jumped in it and rolled around in the poison ivy when I woke up tomorrow morning, I'd probably be fine. The next day, probably be fine. The next day, I'd start itching, and in a few days, I'd be itching and blistering insufferably because allergic contact dermatitis is a delayed reaction. It kind of takes your body's immune system, and the skin is an immune organ, a few days to kind of get organized to say, yeah, we saw this before, and we're going to react. It doesn't Mm -hmm. happen instantaneously, and that's why it's hard for people to link what they use sometimes to what they're reacting to.
4: Sure, and if uh, those if organic ingredients or those allergens are in cosmetics, even eyeliner, or I was fascinated when you told me that the eye curler, I haven't seen one of them for years, but I know some people still use them. An eye curler has nickel. Remember back in the day, People would come into you with a circle on their wrist because there was nickel in the back of a watch. For you know, people might rec remember that. But if there's nickel in the eye, like eyelash curler, that could cause problems too. What about lip products? Do you see much with lipsticks and gloss and that sort of thing?
3: Yes, very much so. And and I think there's a number of reasons for this. So lips, I mean, they really impart beauty to the face. They're a mm-hmm. very specialized type of skin. It's sort of that junction between nor, you know, our regular skin and the inside of our mouth, which is mucous membrane. So the lips, by and large, um, are not designed to be tough. That's why a lot of people get dry chapped lips. And Mm. people like to use lots of products on their lips, lip balm, sunscreen, lipsticks, lip gloss. And so they're a setup for allergic contact dermatitis. Some of the common ingredients that do that, well, for instance, in lip gloss, some dyes are used, red dyes. Again, one of the natural ones, something called carmine, it's actually derived oh. from a type of beetle, um, is known to cause allergic reactions. And then we talked preservatives as well, and lips, lips, lip gloss and lipstick are kind of like creamy, waxy substances and interestingly, they use the same type of preservatives that are often used in margarine. Those, because wow. if you think about it, it's sort of that oily substance. So there are certain preservatives for sort of oily, waxy things. So again, you don't pick up your lips, you don't want you to pick up your lipstick and have it filled with bacteria. So they have preservatives, and those are called gallates. And so that's often an ingredient that we see causing reactions in lip products. Another one is, believe it or not, and companies love to use it in products because it kind of is a resinous substance. And again, it's that natural, not to throw natural under the bus, but we talked about why we may have evolved that way. And that's also a common allergen in lip products.
4: It makes perfect sense. And and I remember you saying, too, that baby products are not necessarily gentler for babies or adults, uh, and you use the example of baby wipes. The other quick question, we have about 30 seconds, is the risk of occupational contact dermatitis, is that higher among people whose hands are wet all the time, like food handlers, hairdressers, even the women who uh in the nail industry, um, housekeeping, people that are wet all the time. So that. Uh, break the barrier and make contact dermatitis a little bit
3: yes, more likely? I'm so glad you brought that up because I talked about the two types of contact, irritant and allergic. And so people in wet work jobs, especially food handlers, um, hairstylists, they're in and out of water all day, soapy water, detergent water, and foods in and of themselves are irritating. Um, so we should have like triple the respect for people who put their skin, their hands um, on the line every day because Mm -hmm. these are occupations um, that are such high risk for causing irritant dermatitis. A lot of times their hands will be red, cracked, swollen, and especially in the wintertime when there's lower humidity in the
4: air. Absolutely. Stay with us during the break to hear about your real champion, a beautiful story about a beautiful woman. And now for your real champion. I call this segment Feeling Secure with Bev Williams. At Jefferson University Hospital, the parking lot is directly across the street, and an elevated bridge connects visitors to the hospital's first floor to avoid crossing in traffic or dealing with bad weather. Like the bridge, Bev Williams is a connector. As a security officer, she sits at the entrance desk directing visitors to hospital rooms of loved ones. Guiding sick patients to the emergency room and answering questions about parking. Her warmth and sincerity bring reassurance to everyone she encounters. Part of the Jefferson family for over 18 years, in her first eight years, Bev provided security for the emergency room. She has witnessed people in distress for many different reasons, not just physical injury from a gunshot or stabbing, but a person who comes in yelling and troubled by mental illness. Bev has her own terms for people in need. She doesn't say homeless, she says lost. Not addiction, but stuck. Not mentally disturbed, but confused. In each case, the person has had some past trauma that wasn't settled. Not one of them is a monster, but a person who's suffering and struggling to find one other person willing to help. But they're often judged and left to wander. Bev believes that God blesses us so we can bless someone else. So when a homeless person would wander through the door, she'd ask God to bless her money and give it to the person with a blanket or take them to Wawa to buy a meal. Not as an incentive to leave, but to help them. She looks at every troubled person and says, it could have been me. Nobody writes a high school essay that says, my dream someday is to be an alcoholic or an addict. But sometimes people stray and you have to give them a chance to recover. Bev says, every day I ask God to let the needy see me as someone who genuinely cares about them. I don't see them as a name, but a person facing physical, mental, or emotional illness. The most important lesson she can impart to her five children, 20 grandchildren, and one great grandchild is to treat people well. Never judge because you don't know why people are acting out love and respect everyone. Bev had outstanding mentors as her mother was a minister and her dad was a deacon. And she learned that heavenly stories have earthly meanings. And she truly lives the gospel message. She recalls the Bible story of the prostitute who was labeled as unclean, but because she believed God made her whole again, Jesus cured the lepers because they believed and Bev sees the beauty in patients with HIV and doesn't want them to be treated as outcasts. At one point, her own daughter became very ill, dropped below 100 pounds, and was told she wasn't going to live. Bev went to the chapel every day and encouraged her daughter to fight. Her daughter then recovered, has three children, and now helps other sick people to fight. Everybody has a story. Your vision can be limited if you don't look at each person through your heart. Years ago, a man came to the ER. He was a CEO with a great life, but then got HIV. Bev didn't call him undesirable. He finally recovered and still visits her at the hospital. Before Jefferson, Bev was a security officer at a nearby shopping center. She often saw people addicted to heroin. One woman was so high Bev took her baby to Department of Human Services and got the mother help, saving both lives. She would walk through the mall to buy food for those who needed help. Other addicts used to look for Bev and many would have died without her help. When her children were small, Bev lived in a neighborhood where people called her the black preacher. She brought a prostitute in and let her shower, gave her clean clothes, she fed the homeless. And she didn't worry about being robbed, she'd say, my heart is more expensive than anything you can steal from me. Well, her children listened well, and Bev jokes, other people's kids would come home with pets. My kids came home with kids whose parents didn't feed them. An angel of mercy, Bev would often go and pray at the bedside of a patient in the ER or in a hospital room of a patient she had come to know and should say, concentrate on today. Tomorrow isn't promised. And even if somebody were barely hanging on Should say, God has given you time to say what you need to say. Bev is everyone's biggest cheerleader. A woman recovered after heart surgery, and as she left the hospital, Bev played pomp and circumstance and gave her a crown as the queen of hearts. Years ago, a mother was told her little girl would never walk. Now at age 12, the girl always stops to see Miss Bev still wearing the ladybug necklace she gave her as a toddler and walking on her own. At the end of many a long day, I found myself stopping to visit Bev on my way to the car to share stories about family, the world, like we'd been friends for years. And I know she offers the same love and hope to everyone, from the occasional visitor all the way to the hospital president. And like a seasoned pastor offering sound advice, she often sends an email with the perfect Bible verse. In her 62 years, Bev has been a beacon of light for countless people, and when she retires, she plans to help with pastoral care. Bev Williams is an ambassador for Jefferson, often the first person a visitor sees coming in and the last person a grateful patient sees going home. Bev is the bridge. Bev is the connector. Bev is the security officer who keeps us secure. We salute you, Bev Williams, your world champion.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com stay covered.
2: Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Now, Saturday afternoons at 5, presented
0: exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC.
4: Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. So happy to have our guest, Dr. Bruce Brode. We're talking about contact dermatitis that's much more frequent than you might think. We talked about all the different uh, ingredients in shampoos and conditioners lipsticks, eyeliners, but also the risk of those who for their occupations have wet hands quite often. People who work as housekeepers or hairdressers and in the medical uh, world, I know personally, I might wash my hands 30 times a day and that makes your hands drier, I would think. Um, And that opens you up to being more vulnerable. Yes. Does dryness make you more vulnerable Bruce?
3: Very much so yes and so we I see a huge uptick in patients with hand dermatitis during the winter months of the year um, when the air is dry um, and the skin cracks Um, and we really saw this escalate during COVID of course because we everybody was you know washing their hands and double washing their hands singing a happy birthday song Um, but as it turns out Water, which we need to live, and we should probably all be drinking more water throughout the day, is the most common substance that irritates the skin. And, wow, and people are really surprised about that. And uh, so, again. I have a lot of guilt in my job, and we talked about uh, telling people, you know, not to get beautiful nail cosmetics, and how their shampoo is causing reactions. And so, I oftentimes have to sort of nudge and urge uh, people to like, maybe you don't wash your hands so often. Fortunately, there's alternatives. There's hand sanitizers, and I, a lot of when I say that to a patient who comes to me with red, dry, cracked hands, they cringe and they think I'm really kind of mean, because they're like, I'm not using that, it burns. Um, But as it turns out, um, the hand sanitizers tend to be less irritating to the skin than soap and water washing. Now, fortunately, there's some hand sanitizers now that don't have alcohol in it, and they still kill germs, and that's a lot kinder because they're not stinging. But I kind of liken what happens with our skin to what happens to the roads in Pennsylvania during the summer and winter. So the wet-dry cycle, so when the skin gets wet... It swells and uh when it dries it construct, it contract tracks. Um and then it gets wet, mm. it swells again. So just like our roads, when it gets hot they swell, and when it gets cold they contract. Well, we know what condition our roads are in Pennsylvania, they're all cracked. And essentially that's what's happening to our skin when we wet and dry it, wet and dry it, wet and dry it. And when it gets when you use hot water It's even worse because our skin relies on oils to keep maintain its integrity and keep it together and keep it from cracking. And the hot water kind of melts those oils in the skin, just like when you're uh, baking a cake and you melt butter in the microwave and it melts nicely. The hot water does that to the oils in our skin. It's up and the water washes them away. And so we end up with red, dry, cracked hands. So beware the water, drink it. Think about hand sanitizers. Um, there's ones that don't burn um, and much kinder to the skin than frequent wash. Sometimes we just have
4: to wash. There's no. So that's why, even though a warm shower feels so good, and you say, "I'm just going to stand here for a few more minutes because it's it's freezing cold outside," or it feels good on my back pain or whatever, you don't want people to bathe. Uh, for too long of a time because it's, as you say, especially if it's warm water, it's stripping your skin of those protective oils. And watch toners too, like Witch Hazel. Wouldn't that do the same thing?
3: Yes, Witch Hazel, which is kind of a a solvent Mm -hmm. in a sense, um, it dissolves those oils in the skin and it dries the skin out and causes people use it on their face, of course. Sometimes they re- use it to remove makeup or just to get the oil off the skin. Um, and it might feel good for a second, but it, it leads to dryness. And sure. you know, that's the last thing we want that makes it, the skin harder to have makeup go on smoothly.
4: Well, we could probably spend a whole show on this sidebar, but I would think that if you're disrupting The protective surface of your skin, it could change your normal microbiome as well. I mean, we think of microbiome as being internal in the GI tract and the lungs and all those internal organs, bladder, et cetera, but your skin, just like Pigpen, isn't that from uh, Peanuts? He's walking down the street and you can see him, you know, uh, with all the little markings on his skin. Let's talk about anti-aging products, Bruce, because that's a big one. And we think about those products right from Penn, Dr. Kligman was brilliant and uh, came up with the idea of, of using retinol, which is derived from vitamin A, yes. And let's talk about anti-aging products a little bit, because uh, they might be good for anti-aging, but might not be tolerated so well, even though they are good products.
3: Yes, no, I mean, I, I am a big fan of retin-A, and if you walk into the lobby at uh hospital, of the University of Pennsylvania... Um, They have a little mini museum there. And in that mini museum are all these like age old instruments. But there's also a tube of retinae because it was basically uh, invented at Penn and and the patent and all of that. So um, many of these products work. Retin-A, which is sort of a synthetic vitamin A derived drug, tretinoin is the brand name. It works, you know, people who use it on a regular basis, it builds up collagen, it helps with fine lines and wrinkles, the skin looks smoother and younger. Um, The downside of it is, and we're talking about sensitive skin folks here, um, it can irritate the skin. Um, I think in a lot of patients, they can overcome it if they build up to it slowly and they use it with soaps and moisturizers. And luckily there's sort of over the counter um, vitamin A derived substances, things called retinol, which are an over the counter products and retinaldehyde. And they also help. They're not as strong as tretinoin, the prescription drug, um, but they also help with uh, anti-aging as well. And there's, there's a number of other ingredients and over-the-counter products that really are beneficial for aging, but you have to kind of balance that with the potential for them to make the skin irritated.
4: Mm-hmm. So when people talk about collagen, if you ingest, if you use oral collagen supplements, they're not necessarily bad for you, but they're not smart enough to travel to your skin and and, and build up that that layer of protection and anti. So it really comes down to protecting your skin with sunscreen and considering the products you mentioned. Bruce, patch testing, let's spend a little time on that because I misspoke earlier when I said we use little needle pinpricks to introduce allergies to your skin, it's much kinder and easier now. It's superficial, let's talk about that.
3: Yeah, so so, uh, I spend a lot of my time patch testing patients, it's really the holy grail of trying to pinpoint what the cause is of allergic contact dermatitis. And what I tell my patients is it's it's not painful. It involves um, putting uh, little bits of lots of different substances known to cause skin allergies and personal care products, things in gloves and rubber and glues and adhesives in these little chambers. And we actually tape them to the person's back. Typically, we do it on a Monday. Um, it's the beginning of the week. And the only bad news is that their, their back is taped up and they might get an itchy reaction to one or several of these substances that they're allergic to it. So they can't really uh, work out and bathe and sweat and things like that. We removed the patches two days later on Wednesday and they're gone and we look and see what they're reacting to. But as we talked about the, these type of reactions, these allergic reactions are delayed and so we'll bring the patients back a few days later, typically on Friday. It's like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. And we see what they're reacting to. And that's really helpful because there's no way for somebody to know uh, with products that have 40 and 50 ingredients, which one of them are reacting. And this kind of gives us the answer. And it's so gratifying. And then from that <laughs> We educate patients and we give them resources on how to find products, whether it's their personal care products or gloves in the workplace that don't have in it what they're reacting to.
4: Mm -hmm. And I know that you don't go ahead and patch test everybody. Again, thinking half of a visit is spent on the history, trying to dig through the history. And you mentioned something interesting in passing earlier um, that people, when they get a rash oftentimes take out neosporin or polysporin. And sometimes that's the culprit. Sometimes people react or become sensitized to it if they use it too often. Am I right about that? You
3: are right about it. So it really comes down to when we talked about asking patients the right questions, people oftentimes won't tell you what they're using on their skin that might be causing an allergic reaction because, People are smart. Like if somebody was using something that they thought was causing a horrible rash, they probably wouldn't be using it. So I find that it helps when I talk to patients to ask them directly. And uh, as you said, over-the-counter topical antibiotics, people love them, Neospor, you know, all those triple antibiotics um, they use on cuts. There's a large subset of the population who develops allergic contact dermatitis. And so when you see, you know, rashes on the face or back around the fingers, and things like that, um, I'll ask patients straight up, are you using over-the-counter topical antibiotics? And frequently the answer is yes. And then when we patch test patients, we can it prove that, hey, that's what they're allergic to. It's uh, a topical, you know, topical, or whatever the ingredient is, we find yeah. out on patch testing. It's kind of like unveiling the mystery of what's been causing that person's rash for weeks or months or sometimes years, whether it's the hair dye or whether yeah. it's, uh, whether it's a preservative.
4: Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not applying topical antibiotic, it's oral antibiotics. We always look for patterns of drug reaction as people can be severely ill if they take a, an antibiotic for something pretty innocent, like going to see the dentist if they have to take prophylactic antibiotics. The, there are probably, I was reading an article the other day, 15,000 possible allergens. We talked about some of the most common ones, poison ivy, of course, poison oak, Nickel, we said, could be in the back of a watch or in certain jewelries or even eyelash curlers. Um, cell phones have nickel, some of them, and e-cigarettes. And so, you know, people might have uh, reactions around the lips. One thing I didn't mention earlier, but I know you've probably seen it, latex in gloves. So we always ask people about lip, but do people still, even if they're not latex gloves, they're trapped, the, the moisture from sweating. Do you see that very often?
3: So, yeah. So
4: two issues with
3: gloves. Yes. Um, Gloves can be our best friend if we're prone to hand rashes, but they can also be our worst enemy. And so people who have jobs that have a tendency for hand dermatitis who wear gloves all the time, um, it's helpful because it protects them from soap and irritants, but it also occludes their their skin. And if they sweat a little bit under it, it kind of does the same as the wet dry cycle. And then as you said- people can be allergic to some of the chemicals used in the manufacture of those gloves. We tested that routinely and and healthcare workers are a big population. They have long names like mercaptobenzothiazol and thiorams. And, and fortunately when we find that out, we can suggest alternative gloves that don't have that allergy. I like cotton liners uh, beneath gloves too. It helps to soak up some of the sweat. You know, if you're a surgeon, you can't wear a cotton liner under your glove or if you're a nurse working in the OR, you can't do that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're working on a machine line, um, you might be able to do that and that helps to reduce the sweat.
4: Well, I guess the mass experiment was COVID. You saw so many people wearing N95 or facial masks who were having dermatitis reactions and we learn from that we hope and and uh put that into our memory banks for future cases let's take a little break and when we come back our weekly wrap-up with dr bruce
0: your radio doctor with dr marianne ritchie is presented exclusively by independence blue cross
2: I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com.
4: welcome back to our final segment of your radio doctor with our guest dr bruce broad from university of penn dermatology bruce we've learned so much about contact dermatitis what is your take-home message for our listeners
3: my take-home lesson is that it's it's really common and um If you think that you might have allergic contact, dermatitis, itchy, red, rash, um, there's some initial steps that you can take. Um, One, try to cut out the clutter, as I call it, especially if you're having facial rashes. So really reduce your products to a bare minimum. You know, basic shampoo, basic moisturizer, basic face cleanser, basic conditioner, And as a rule of thumb, try to look for products that don't have those huge, long mile long ingredient lists. My rule of thumb is if a product, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean a product's not gonna cause allergy, but look for things that have 10 or fewer ingredients
4: in them. Interesting. And one of the things you stress too is don't be oversold. Cost does not always match quality.
3: No, so the uh, personal care products industry is a multi-multi-billion-dollar industry. Mm -hmm. And um, it's mostly driven by marketing hype and influencers. um, And cost, the cost of a a cream, a concealer, an anti-aging cream, the high price tag doesn't mean like this is better than something that a jar of... uh, of moisturizing cream. That's uh 10 or $15. Mm-hmm. Um, they both, they both can be effective. They both can potentially have allergens. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, being cost effective with personal care products. Don't, don't sell the farm to get all your personal care products. Well, I,
4: th- I think people are surprised to hear you say as well, don't bathe, don't shower for too long of a time because the hot water and the water itself is not your friend unless of course it's water from the schuylkill but the water really can uh, remove too much of your oil that protective surface and I learned something else from you the other day we were chatting that dry skin at least in some people that can bump your risk for skin cancer yes so
3: if and we're well, adding to, it, yes, it can. So mm-hmm. so people who have super dry skin, we actually the medical term is ichthyosis. Um, those patients, be, the reason they have dry skin, the reason they have ichthyosis, they're missing a few important proteins in the skin that doesn't allow their skin to retain moisture, so it's dry and cracked. And those same proteins that lead to dry skin, those proteins have a sun protective quality. So it's almost like you're missing a little bit of natural sunscreen. So when I see a very light skin person with very dry skin, my antenna radars go up. This is somebody who may be really high risk for skin cancer.
4: Mm -hmm. So that's a natural genetic predisposition to skin cancer or one of the features does overly uh, you know, using products too much or bathing too long and making your skin dry that way, that doesn't bump the risk for skin cancer. Right. It doesn't. Or,
3: no, it doesn't. No, but, Good. It can, okay. no, but it does bump the risk for developing allergies to yes. uh, ingredients and in products. Um, A very wise professor years ago um, when I was a resident um, taught me that irritation always precedes allergy uh, or often precedes allergy. So, um, you know, we are what we are. And I think many of us are programmed from birth to just develop certain allergies like to nickel or fragrance or preservatives, but we can increase our risk if our skin is irritated. Um, because the skin is open, the skin is angry and inflamed. Um, and so it makes it more receptive to develop an allergy to a lot of these ingredients we talked about. And so taking good care of your skin is a way that you can take control and reduce your risk for allergies. And that means avoiding those hot showers that dry the skin using cleansers. So we talk about soap um uh but soaps uh, in a way is a little bit antiquated soap is is uh is a molecule uh like uh that's very effective at dissolving and washing away oil in the skin and that's the last thing we want to do so i tend to steer my patients towards what we call a synthetic cleansers so they clean the skin they might not make you feel as squeaky clean but you will be clean and they're not as damaging to the skin. They won't dry you out as much. Try to get in an hour out of the shower quickly. Moisturize. I like moisturizing creams. There's many of them on the market, but uh, creams I think are more effective than lotions. So look for the jar. Don't look necessarily for the pump bottle. Um, and try to find products again, that don't have so many ingredients and, uh, you know, fragrance is a wonderful thing, but, um, uh, if you're having skin problems, you might want to sort of lean towards fragrance free because it can cause allergy and it can be a little irritating to the skin. And if you keep your skin in good shape, you might reduce your risk for getting skin allergies, contact dermatitis.
4: So the message is soap is so nineteen nineties. But um, <laughs> any websites people could visit? Um, yeah, there are. There's a, there's a couple resources.
3: Um, there's something called What's in My Jar. Um, and uh, that website will sort of point you towards now there's a little commercialization in that website but it's not bad it'll point you towards products that are rated as being less irritating there's another website skin safe as well that will tell you products that don't have allergenic ingredients in them
4: and of course patch testing is the gold standard for our listeners What's in my jar and Skin Safe? And if you want to read articles that uh, you look up, helio.com, our new uh, affiliate, uh, great medical information. Dr. Bruce Brode from the Contact Dermatitis Clinic at Penn Medicine, thank you so much. We always learn encyclopedias of information from you, and we appreciate you being here. Thank you.
3: Always great to talk to you, Marianne. It's a pleasure to be here.
4: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen again to any of the 188 shows in our library on Audacy.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Thanks to our exclusive partner, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America. We're very excited about our new affiliation with Helio, a leading medical information company that keeps us abreast of the most current medical news. Website helio.com. Next week, learn how to stay dry during dry January. Please continue to pray for peace in our world, our country, our families, and in each of our own hearts. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love. Always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre recorded.